0: This episode of That Does It, Madam, is brought to you by FlexiBra. No matter how wayward your figure, the FlexiBra will control it like a second skin. And now, introducing FlexiPant Wife Front Briefs. Keep your backside happy with something snappy. Mr. Brandon, are you free?
1: I'm free. hey i'm jeff and i'm brandon and this is an episode of that does suit madam a podcast about are you being served
0: Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brand.
1: Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. I'm uh, rather feeling very um, up and down in my voice today. I don't know what's going on, but... <laughs>
0: <sighs> maybe, it's this, maybe it's the weather. I mean, yesterday we had snow and today it melted. It was in the 50s.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the wintertime <laughs> in pandemic land. But, you know, hope everyone's washing your hands, wearing your uh, masks and stuff. Well, uh, breaking
0: news in the, literally in the last hour before we started recording, the US FDA has finally approved the Pfizer vaccine for emergency use against COVID-19. So people who are living and working in nursing homes should start to get the vaccine next week. So that is huge monumental news for us here in the States.
1: Yeah, so today's um, December the 10th. So that's the date that you should remember that at least in the States, Um, it seems like vaccines are actually going to be coming out um, too sweet. So that's great. In the meantime, um, we've been enjoying this fantastic uh, little show from about 45 years ago.
0: That's right, Mr. Brandon, we have. (laughs) Um, And we're not the only ones who are enjoying it. Uh, We've got another, we've got a third Jeff now, who uh, likes us on Facebook. I know. How are we going to tell us all apart?
1: The 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 you're the first Jeff, of course, and then there's the second I, Jeff or the other Jeff, right? And maybe he's the third Jeff. I don't know. Depends if in Jeff P from Facebook. If you want to become the third Jeff, like you have to send us like emails and like your thoughts on things, and we'll mine them for gems for the show. So. And we also heard from the lovely uh, Emily, who liked our Facebook. We've been getting a lot of uh, likes on the Facebook page and on Twitter as well. Um,
0: And and old-fashioned emails as well.
1: Yeah, I I will say uh, for Twitter, today, I believe, is the 60th anniversary of Coronation Street. Is it? It it is, though? although that was more um, EastEnders. Um, (laughs) So, uh, happy birthday, Coronation Street. Uh, You know, we've been getting a lot of... um, synchronicity is that a word with uh folks on twitter who love old classic uk programs and stuff so you know we kind of thought we'd make a little announcement think uh giving a happy birthday message on twitter to good old coronation street and if you're an american you don't know what the hell we're talking about it's on britbox which is cheaper than it should be and britbox.com you can watch all sorts of british tv shows including are you being served
0: and I believe also on Hulu, I believe they've got a couple of episodes oh. on there. I think they've got, I think they've got two seasons. I think they come out maybe a week late, um, but it's also available on there. That's cool uh, to watch. We, you know, whereas on BritBox, I think you could watch the entire history of it. Maybe not all the way back to like the the sixties or whatever, but. Um, <laughs> And we're going to actually reference uh, Corey a little bit later on in this episode, so that's some good foreshadowing.
1: I wasn't aware of that, so I can't sound like it was cool. Also want to give a shout out to our buddy John Jackson, uh, who sent a lovely email. Thank you for that, John. Um, John was sharing that he was a fellow AETN uh, watcher, like I was back when I was uh, a wee baron. Uh, a young man a barn, <laughs> in Arkansas. That's how I first watched Are You Being Served? And he was this really cool email sharing uh, that he also got hooked like in the 90s on Are You Being Served at AETN. So if you're a, an Arkansas PBS listener and you uh, watched Are You Being Served on AETN, that would be cool to let us know. It would be kind of neat to make a graphic and say, thank you, AETN, for letting us know about Are You Being Served? I don't know. Where did you, which station did you learn about it, Mr. Jeff?
0: So it was a Channel Thirteen WNET, which is um, PBS. Mm, I, I don't yeah. think that I don't think that's like a state-run public broadcast because it's just the New York City. It's not even the New York City one. Yeah, so that's why I, I picked it up. I picked up the habit. <laughs> um, you know what else is a really good habit to have, Mister Brandon? What's that, Mister Jeff? Uh, that's wearing a mask when you go outside and washing your hands because even though we have the vaccine today, us general folk aren't going to get it until. Like March at the very earliest. So, even though there is a light at the end of the tunnel, which we have um, confirmed is not an oncoming train, <laughs> you still got to keep your guard up until everybody, until we got herd immunity. And also, Black Lives Black Matter. Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. And um,
1: do we want to discuss politics? Like, we have, what is it? Does it Monday when the Electoral College officially votes in the states and then all those Michigas about Trump, like, somehow stealing the presidency? Will go away hopefully.
0: Well, the thing is, the the Electoral College votes on Monday, but that it doesn't get counted until like January eighth or something. Oh god! And when it goes, be when it goes before the new Senate, the the yeah, the the new Senate. So and, and the runoff in Georgia is when, uh,
1: like the third or the fourth or it's something
0: like that, right? So oh, boy. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the show.
1: Uh, Why not? What a novel idea. So, Mr. Jeff, take us back. Uh, What are we talking about? When are we talking about? What the hell show are we talking about today?
0: So this is Series 6, Episode 2, The Club, which originally premiered on November twenty second, 1978. And that week in the news, Christina Crawford's autobiography, Mommy Dearest, reaches bestseller status. Uh, The film uh, premiered in 1981, and that's where we get all of those... Famous catchphrases no as no
1: one knows. Oh my god, we're so gay right now. I will say, I actually have a first edition copy of Christina Crawford's Mommy Dearest. Is and, it signed? Oh, uh, no, it's not. But um, if you've not read the book, it's, it's not the film, uh, and it's pretty damn good. And it reached bestseller status, so obviously a lot of people liked it. Yeah. Although a lot of bestsellers aren't really very good books, but um, right. no, you grab a copy, it's really good.
0: Also that week, the very first lesbian-themed movie of the week premiered on ABC called A Question of Love. And it was about a woman um, fighting her ex-husband for custody of her children when he sues after learning that she's living in a relationship with another woman. And this movie of the week was actually nominated for a Golden Globe. Oh my god, that would have been huge
1: in 1978.
0: Good for them. That's great. So, what a queer entertainment.
1: I know, right? (laughs) Speaking of... Speaking of <laughs> well, so, well, how does the episode start? Let's let's start there
0: So, uh, it's it's midday in the store It's not one of those usual things Where they're, before they're opening Or the cleaners or whatever And we get this posh looking couple Entering the store A familiar and
1: looking couple, doesn't it? A very yeah.
0: familiar looking couple And there's quite a bit of conversation Between the two customers Without any interaction from the staff Which is unusual for us, isn't it? It Mr. is, Brando? it is,
1: Mr. Jeff Yes, it is, it is
0: so this couple is very familiar to us because we've seen them several times before. Uh, the gentleman is played by Raymond Bowers, who was Mr. Henry in the movie. Mr. Crawford, the director from It Pays to Advertise. And Pure the Lord from Mr. Slocum Expects.
1: Oh, I don't think I could afford that.
0: And uh, the, she is played by Mavis Pugh, uh, who was the wife in 50 Years On. Oh, Claude, you are getting forgetful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Lady Weeble Label Smith from the Yay, takeover. Yay,
1: that's my favorite yeah. one. She was so cool. <laughs> Lady
0: Weeble Abel Smith. Um, she's carrying a gray poodle named Roger. And they have this you know, back and forth between them that they're going to get him some made to measure pants. And none of the staff are listening. So you know, that, that kind of sets up the whole next series of bits.
1: Do you think the fact that his name is Roger is a bit of a gay joke?
0: Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, it sets it up. It sets it up completely. Because
1: right? what delicately, uh, Mr. Jeff? What is what is that joke? <laughs>
0: So the reason Roger is seen Ooh. as an archetypal... I love that uh, I just gave name, it to you.
1: I'm not going to do it. <laughs>
0: you, Because you would be able to get through it without <laughs> laughing. Listen to you. You're tittering yourself. I'm titillating. Um, uh, it, it's an archetypal name for a gay man because in British slang, the verb Roger means to uh, roughly have... Anal sex with. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> there's, there's nothing delicate about that. It's just, you know, really...
1: It's like it's like it if someone's name was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, hello, this is my friend, fuck. Oh! And it would be like, the the, the jokes would write themselves. There
0: you go. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Captain Peacock uh, wants Mr. Tebbs to serve because he's the senior. He gets first dibs. Mm. But he's busy re-napping a Homburg. So he's taken right after... Uh, Mr. Granger is taken after, uh, uh, stepping right into his shoes, Aww. too busy to serve customers because he's busy attending to the hats.
1: It makes me think that maybe Mr. Mr. Um, Granger's spirit is still haunting the floor of Grace Brothers, which makes me happy. Absolutely, right.
0: Uh. So M- Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas are called in to um, show, to, to, to help the customer, mm-hmm. and they start by showing him some fabric. They start with a... A plaid piece, which they call their Scotch swatch. Uh, <laughs> in fact, we've got a whole, we've got a whole hodgepodge of top notch swatches, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Mister Humphrey shows him some Irish tweed that has been washed in the waters of the Liffey. Uh, that's the ru- that's the river in Dublin, okay. right? Like the Thames in London. Like, yeah, you know, you'd say it's like just a very, um, metonymous representation. You know, when they, people say the Thames, they might be speaking about London in general, or the course, Seine for Paris.
1: Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe the Liffey is not the most like delicious-looking river. Probably very I, industrial in
0: 1978, <laughs> <laughs> and in 2020 as well. Oh, right?
1: uh-huh.
0: like it, it's it's not very clean. You can't imagine that they, that they would you know uh, actually uh, use that for drinking or for laundering. Anyway, <laughs> so the whole bit is that the the Humphrey's and Lucas don't know that the pant that the made to measure suit is for the dog. Yeah. And so the customer Roger's master is talking about his friend Roger.
1: I know and I just found that so weird. I'm like you wouldn't call you would say oh I have a dog. And I know it's a comedy people and I know we're a bunch of nerds on the show. But right. the the whole thing just felt a bit old- I don't know. Like maybe they could have rewritten it and say, "Oh, I have to keep it a secret because I don't want him to hear." Ha, ha, it's ha, a surprise
0: ha, ha. or something like yeah, something like along those lines, right? Um, they they show him a bit of the lore. Well, for rolling about the carpet, it does pick up the bits. So Mister Humphrey's imagination starts going wild about his friend Roger, and we already know that that this character has played some very campy. Yeah, he's been uh, gay in every before. scene
1: he's ever done, right?
0: Right, and, and even. Even now, even though you know there's nothing to imply that he is not happily married to Mavis Pugh's character, yeah, he is. A, he is a little bit fay, He's a little bit Ginger. This this, this character who's, who's buying a, a coat for his dog, his friend Roger.
1: Mr. Jeff gets a ding because he just seamlessly wove in Ginger, a Cockney rhyming slang, <laughs> uh, on the show, and he's a American born and bred.
0: So there we go. Well done. Um. My friend doesn't wear trousers. He only wears short plastic leggings when it rains.
1: So then Mr. Helphys <laughs> looks at Mr. Lucas like,
0: did I hear that right? <laughs> right. Everyone in the village knows him. Well, I bet you do. I bet they do. <laughs> right. Um, I think it would be perfect, you know, uh, just imagining him lying there in the bed with the ball in between his teeth. Tail wagging. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so over on the ladies' counter, um, Mrs. Slocum <laughs> oh, had gone to the dog. Oh, hold doctors. on a minute.
1: You forgot. So, no, it's funny. Um, what's really funny is when his wife walks over, or his mother, whoever, the, the woman, walks the wife, over yeah. with, with, the, um, with the dog. And then Mr. Humphrey says, you take over, Mr. Luke, because I'm going to have a lie down in the break room. <laughs> <laughs> it was all That's he could true. take. Poor Mister Humphreys. That's,
0: that's true, right? Because now that now that he knows he doesn't have a chance with the customer, mm. uh, yeah. Because maybe he was thinking he could afford it. You know, maybe he had saved up. It's true. And so over on the ladies' counter, the Missus Silken had gone over to the doctors, and there's this bit about how she got undressed and the doctor gave her a thorough examination. <laughs> but it turned out that it was the painter and not the doctor.
1: <laughs> she said, "Aren't you going to examine me?" And he
0: did. Tip uh, to toe. Tip to toe. <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Harmon delivers the new center display unit for the Flexi Bra. Thank you to the fine people of the Flexi Thank Bra Thank you, Flexi Bra people. Uh, and so it's... The, the whole gag is that the breasts rotate <laughs> uh, on the model in order to be able to show how durable the bra is in terms of controlling <laughs> your figure. Yeah, And so they're trying to figure out how to how to sell it to the customer, like how they're going to receive it. And so Captain Peacock says, um, grabs, uh, gets the attention of a random female customer. I was like, excuse me, ma'am, can I interest you in the flexi bra? Oh, she goes, oh, I know all about those. I'm wearing one right now. Opens up her uh, jacket and shows that she's also wearing one with that as rotating breasts.
1: And she has this really, I remember her face from when I was a kid. She opens her mouth open as if to say, eh, you know? Right. And it's so creepy. The way that, I don't know, there's something about the, her gums and her chin. I'm sure other people agree with me on this one. What do you think? Do now, you remember?
0: I, I do agree with that. You know, she's got a little bit of an exhibitionist streak in her because she's oh, very okay. proud That's to be showing that off, you know? Yeah. Um, and it turns out that his friend has the matching pants and his buttocks rotate. Um, uh, now, both of these both of these actors just say, you know, the, uh, they're played... Uh, they've had minor parts throughout yeah. um, uh, Throughout British TV history. And so we're starting to see a little bit of a break where we've got people who are not part of the Lloyd and Croft troupe come in to play minor characters or cameos. Oh, so it's yeah. now, now the show is established on its own where any up-and-coming after will want to get any kind of bit part on there to make a, a name for themselves, even for, if it's for 30 seconds.
1: And you're wearing rotating pants underneath your trousers. Right.
0: Mr. Humphreys comes by just in time to see the customer turn around and demonstrate, and he faints into Mr. Lucas's
1: arms. It's been a big day for Mr. Humphreys. He's got all these teasing with Roger, and now these rotating buttock pants.
0: He can only take so much, Mr. Jeff. It's only so much to keep body and soul together. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, we cut to young Mr. Grace's office and finally the nurse speaks. She's, she's been around. I think she was around in the last episode to help him uh, down the stairs yeah. uh, while well, they were by appointment. But she actually gets some speaking lines. So, uh, and so this is the beginning of a trajectory for her. She makes regular appearances all the way through the next five seasons. And she is played by Vivian Johnson. Uh, and she is also known for playing Marilyn in a show called Odd Man Out, hmm. which was a seven-episode show uh, from the year nineteen seventy-seven, which was the break in between seasons five and six. Okay, that also starred John Inman.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. So they, so they, they between season five, they made the movie *Are Being Served the Movie*, which we reviewed yep. a couple episodes ago, and yep. sounds like John Inman also had another show because did, at this point did this show. at this point, and you can kind of see it in this episode, and and by appointment, I think. But it's I mean, even in season five, it's clear that John Inman is the, is the head star. over heels, like the star. People he walks out, at one point he wears a costume later in the episode, and the 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 audience erupts with laughter. Um at this point he's yeah, he could probably could have done his own show. But it's interesting if you look at the timing of season six, it's like the last half of November and December and that's it. It's really condensed. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean it goes back to a short season. And, and and you're you're right. He is the star of the show. Um but I'm pretty sure that he always gets second billing behind Molly Sugden because she's such an accomplished actress uh, at yeah. this point. And so When our superfan John emailed us, one of the questions he had was how British actors are able to support themselves if their television series usually have such short seasons.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: Now, obviously, there are other shows that have longer running seasons that are comparable to American television, right? You think of like you think of the serials like Eastenders, Coronation, Coronation Street, Street yeah. Casualty, things like that, right? They they're longer running. So it's it's not like the only model for television is a 6 to 8 episode season. It was obviously more popular back then. Right. But that that allowed actors to be able to do other projects like other TV shows or other films. There wasn't this concept of oh you're only known as Mr Humphrey so you can't do anything else until the show um, ends in order, in order not to not dilute the brand or dilute the character. Well, that's
1: interesting you say that because I mean it, it does make sense if they've only done six episodes on a series of already being served there would be time in that year for John Inman to do his own thing and try exactly. to break out and the, the fact that you talked about kind of um, watering down a brand if you. Um, go back to the last episode that we premiered, by appointment we learned, of course, that Mr. Tebbs uh, John
0: he- Hetch, James Hader
1: James Hader, thank you he left the show later, I don't know if it's yeah. this season or the next season. No, but just one season Just Yeah, so he was only in like five or six episodes of the entire series because that brand, at that point, he was super memorable as the voice of Mr. Kipling, Cat Cherry Bakewell, like that wonderful voice he has. And it's crazy that they paid him enough money so that he would quit Are You Being yeah, Served? Exactly. Um, yeah, So it's it, but it's interesting today – When you think about, like, Friends or Seinfeld or, I don't know, The Cosby Show or whatever, when you're an American TV show, they're going to see how much money they can make. They're going to stretch it out. They own you, it seems. You're not
0: going to be allowed to do another television show. You could do a movie and possibly do a stage play, like a touring production of Oklahoma or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, I would find it hard to believe that, you know... David Schwimmer would go off and do, like, Equus or, like, something very – a very daring play that would go against the brand of Friends, right? Yeah,
1: and I wonder if that's all in the contracts and, like, maybe – It's got to be. Yeah. So it's just a very – I mean, this is 45, 50 years ago. But good question, John. Thanks for sending that to us.
0: So some of the other projects that John Inman worked on during his time at Are You Being Served – uh was he did uh a show that lasted for one series uh, take a letter mr jones okay um and he also did the australian version of are you being served in the middle of continuing on with the british season Oh, so he he would fly back and forth. Like he'd go down there, film his six to eight episodes down there, and then come back and pick up a new season of the English version and go back down. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. Yeah, we're going to have to crack that nut open really wide because that's so many folks have of the unanimous listeners have asked: Are you guys going to do? Are you being served Australia and even the the. Um, Beans of Boston, the very weird American version that was like one pilot. But yeah, Yeah. we're we're going to get to them, so don't worry. I don't know when will we do it chronologically or at the very end. Who
0: knows? I don't know. And we've also got Are You Being Served Again slash Grace and Favor to -hmm. to look at. And we also have the pilot episode, which uh, here's a little peek behind the black curtain, folks. The pink curtain. We recorded an episode... We are the pink curtain. <laughs> we recorded an episode about the pilot as a kind of a test to see how we would do it. So we have the raw footage and maybe uh, maybe someday we'll either release that or we'll take a break and record a new episode with some snippets from how bad our audio was back <laughs> we then. We basically
1: wanted to make sure like we would know we would know what to say more than Are you being served good? I like <laughs> Are You Being Served? Okay, good episode. Bye. You know, I think we've we've come a long way, is what we're saying.
0: Some of the other actors also had side projects while they were um, in, in between breaks of the show. Uh, Wendy Richard was on a full season of Dad's Army, which was another Lloyd and Lloyd Croft, Croft show, yeah, and also on Not on Your Nelly. Um, Molly Sugden was on the Liverbirds, which was a very long-running show. Like it had a stint in the '70s, and then there was a reboot of it in the '90s. Uh, I think she played like the next door neighbor on that, but it was it was a prominent character.
1: Huh, I've never heard of that um, show. That's interesting.
0: Comeback, Mrs. Noah, which is where um, a woman gets sent up into space. That is in the, the future.
1: cutest show. I, my God, if if you, oh my, I really want to do an episode on it. It is so ridiculous that I think they were in on the joke.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I hope absolutely. so. Okay. Um, and Molly Sugden was also on Corey. She oh, that's had right. a regularly recurring, yeah. Well,
1: she's that that proud, northern woman kind of thing, so it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the the nur- the whole reason why we got on this tangent is the nurse, right? The nurse comes <laughs> and she speaks. Uh, she never gets a name. She's always credited as the nurse. And so she's um, plugging in, uh, she's showing young Mr. Grace how to use his stress meter, right?
1: I love this part.
0: This is a great gag that lasts. Um, I think it recurs a couple of times. I think we see it go off not only in this episode, but in future episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, so she bends over to plug in the spare charger for his battery and his stress meter starts going off. So she's got to come over, fan him down, feed him water, whatever. Miss <laughs> um, Bakewell, the secretary, comes over and lifts up her skirts to show like her thighs and it goes off again. So we see that you know this is a prop that it really works. And good job to the Foley artists for mimicking that buzzing noise really well.
1: Well done. And I, it's funny cause as I think of Mr. Uh, young, Mr. Grace, I always picture his little heart monitor blinking, flashing. Um, and so
0: this is the first time we see it. So it's kind of a cool little moment. Yeah. So we cut down to the canteen and the staff, um, Oh, we, we, we cut out the whole part. Uh, so, Mister Rumbold announces to the staff at some point that uh, young Mister Grace has allowed them to use a room in the basement to form a social club. Now, we don't know really know how this whole idea of a social club started because when we get down to the canteen, they're not thrilled about it. It's like something that Mister Rumbold is making them do. <laughs> they don't understand why they want to get together after hours when they see each other all day, and you know Captain Peacock is. He's really for the idea. He likes the idea of them all getting together and being social and convivial and on first name terms after the store closes.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it felt a bit forced, um, but I don't know. It, it, it's a good excuse. They have to have a reason to go into a thing and have a bunch of like slapstick comedy really, but
0: right. yeah. So while they're eating lunch or, or dinner, if you're semi-detached or not, <laughs> um, We see Mr. (laughs) Teb slurping his sloop just like Mr. Granger. Aww.
1: We miss you, Mr. Granger. Yeah.
0: So they're trying to figure out what kind of facilities they're going to have in their club. Uh, and Mr. Lucas guesses that they might have one of those new microwave ovens.
1: That was a big deal in 78.
0: That was a really big deal in 78. I mean, I remember when my family first got one in the mid-80s. Yeah. And it was still like a big deal, right?
1: Apparently, my mom and dad um, saved and saved and saved because they were really big and expensive. Any brand new thing is. And they got one for my bottle when I was a baby because it was like it's so much easier to do a microwave than... Boiling a thing and on the stove and da-da-da. Yeah. There's a lot – in fact, a lot of TV shows from this time, they'll talk about the new microwave oven as if it's like a status symbol. Now it's sort of opposite, isn't it?
0: It it was, though, because, I mean, Sharp introduced the first home model of microwave oven in 1964, uh, and then they started to become much more affordable as the years went on. In 1972, a microwave would retail in the U.S. for $349 dollars. And when you account for inflation, that's got the same purchasing power as $2,200 today. Oh, my God. Like a, a, like a top-of-the-line mass-market oven. Like I'm not talking like Mealy or German or Italian or anything like that. But like you, your top-of-the-line Kenmore or Frigidaire or, or Electrolux or whatever Onion, oven doesn't even cost that much.
1: But it was faster, and that was like you know, as as Mister Lucas says, you can have uh, shepherds shepherds no, um, you can have your uh, Yorkshire pudding, roast carrots, and two minutes flat. You know,
0: crazy. In 1977, the cost went down to 269 dollars, which for inflation is about 1,200 dollars today. Still outrageous. So
1: in in what five years it went down by about half.
0: Yeah, just about. That's crazy. Or yeah. And then you know today you could get a really basic one at a a big box store for fifty or sixty bucks, so. Yay. Yeah.
1: Maternity. Uh, Mrs.
0: Mrs. Slickham used to have uh, a social club once when she worked at Derry and Tom's, and so I wasn't sure if this was another Lally and Willis. Is that like a, made up for the?
1: Score. Is that like a Cockney rhyming slang for like? Right. Dickin' balls. Dickin' balls. <laughs> <right>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god. You better watch what you say, Mr. Lucas, I'm gonna kick you with the Darien Toms. Exactly. Didn't they say that at one time? Uh, was, what if we were s- just joking right.
1: and that's actually a thing? Who knows? Britain
0: listeners, please tell us. Do people say Darien Toms as a euphemism for your men's nether other regions? Exactly. I, I shall kick you in the middle of the gentleman's department. <laughs> oh, that's probably what it is.
1: Yeah. That's funny.
0: Um, it is a real department. Uh, it was a real department store uh, on the Kensington High Street near the palace. Um, and she describes it as being full of men smoking pipes and swilling beer. Well, I think we should give it a try. Mr. Humphreys is very <laughs>
1: interested. So I'm you're excited. telling me that and Tom's is where the queen would go and buy Prince Charles's wife fronts Uh...
0: Being no, so close she would to the go palace. to Harrod's. She would go to Harrod's, of course. <sighs> it was the '70s that you know times were tight. Miss Jelfry's used to belong to a dancing club at one time, and uh, he and his partner used to be called Fred and Ginger. I often wonder what happened to Fred. <laughs> so we get an,
1: <laughs> again yeah, Ginger Gay, another Ginger joke. Look yeah, at that. Exactly. Of course, what, what, if we're, what we're not saying is uh, Ginger is Cockney rhyming slang for queer, and that's because Ginger beer. Rhymes with queer. queer. So if you say ginger, it's like you're saying queer. It's this weird thing. But it's, it's a lovely
0: thing. So they go around the horn and they start making suggestions for the club. Mr. Tebb suggests a club tie. Now this, this is one of those things that I guess is I am so far removed from 1970s British culture. The fact that they would have their own design on this tie that they would wear to show that they belong.
1: Well, it seems kind of like British old school nineteen fifties boarding house or um, yeah, boarding yeah, school, board, school kind house of yeah like that's true. if you were a Hogwarts uh, Pepper no uh, Harry Potter Pepper. fan <laughs> they they're all about the ties because they bring it back in the books. I'm not a Potter person. Harry Pepper. I'm so Harry Pepper. I'm so sorry, people. I know we're losing fans left and right. They're they're t- angrily t- hate tweeting us now. But I'm glad you all like it, but this is Ladies where... and
0: gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Harry Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Miss Brom suggests a jukebox. Uh, Mrs. Slocum says there must be accommodation for my pussy, perhaps a scratching post and maybe a little area to play with that's clockwork mouse. Oh, Mrs. Slocum.. Yep. And uh, Mr. Locust wants to bring his Alsatian, which is um, the British word for a German shepherd. That's a big dog. That is a big dog, which is not going to fit in that tiny room, which we're about to see. Right. Nope. Uh, and Mr. Humphreys wants to bring in outsiders. Well, what sort of outsiders should you bring? Right. Um, and so I know a lot the, of
1: different people from a lot of different walks of life.
0: Captain Peacock is making his notes and he says, guest night query. Well, that should cover it. <laughs> <laughs> Great play on words. Cause yeah. he's gay. Yeah. Um, Do you want to head on down to the canteen for a tea break? Yeah,
1: again, you know, last episode I was fencing uh, some some fairy cakes, and I just can't get enough. So I'm going to go get some fairy cakes down at the canteen. What what would you like? I think I'm going to have a microwave toad in the hole. Ooh, two minutes flat. Amazing. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous?
0: Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own, that does suit madam, official tote bag. (laughs) A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington Bear.
1: We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of
0: course, t-shirts.
1: But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear.
0: Support your favorite podcast with some That Doesn't Madam merch.
1: All at I'mFree.Threadless.com
0: I'mFree.Threadless.com And And you've you've all done 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 very well. well.
1: And we're back from the tea break.
0: So, how were your microwave fairy cakes? Two minutes, done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How about you? Well done. Were they made with real sugar and fresh laying eggs? And castor and- sugar. <laughs> uh,
1: no, they were made with monosodium glutamate, artificial flavoring, and Excellent. packaging. The, the library was closed. I read the packet in my pantry.
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go. So the staff are brought down to the basement to room five, uh, which apparently used to be an air raid shelter because there's a bed down
1: there. So what type of place is this club, Mr. Jeff?
0: It's going to be a really, really dismal one because room five is a stuffy room with no windows because they're in the basement. There is forced ventilation and Mr., young Mr. Grace turns on the switch and Miss Brahms has a Maryland moment. Uh, which is a nice visual gag, which they will repeat later on in the episode, or actually attempt to repeat, but the the the, the props and the, state, the set doesn't cooperate, <laughs> right? Um. So young, so Mister Rumbold is, um. He's just telling them to get on with it, to just to do the club and do what you need to do. I guess this is something that maybe young Mister Grace is. is Pressuring them to do, or because he offered it, young Mister R- uh, Young Mister uh <laughs> believes that the, the staff have to like follow through with it. He's telling them, you know, form your club, draw up your rules. Why do they need to be so formal about this social club where they're just going to hang out in the basement?
1: Well, I think it was mentioned in um, the Podnos uh, episode of uh, about our being served that fabulous. Uh, podcast, um, that we mentioned last episode. Um, they, they take British shows and kind of generalize it and explain it. And in their explanation of Are You Being Served, uh, on that episode, um, you know what, I, I should post a link to that episode on our Facebook page so that people can see it or listen to it rather. Um, but they say that the funniness of Are You Being Served is the fact that it's like the 60s, it's the 70s, uh, it's, even 1980 at one point, I think at the, by the last mm-hmm. couple episodes, and um, they're still stuck in the 50s, and that 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 Got resistance okay. is kind of funny to make fun of.
0: Got it, and you know I, that puts the reboot in context, right? Because the whole idea of the reboot is that it's the 1990s, and they're still stuck in the 70s. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. Got it. Right. Um, so. In Mr. Rumble's office, Mr. Harmon brings up swatches and swatches and books of wallpaper and carpet for the um, staff to choose for their club. Uh, they decide to extend an invitation to Mr. Harmon and the rest of the packing and maintenance department for Tuesdays and Thursdays so that they don't retaliate by bunging up the carsy, right? And so we've heard this word a couple of times yeah, from Mr. Harmon. Wanted to figure out if it was Polari or maybe if it was... Um, cockney rhyming song oh. but where it comes from it's actually a bastardization of the italian word casa house
1: uh oh maybe because back in gosh even in the 50s up in the liverpool area um people had bathrooms in the back of their gardens in a tiny little shack so i suppose you oh, would yeah, call so it like the little house
0: right that makes sense. Yeah, who knows? Mr. Rumbold uh, interrupts them, looking at their swatches with some bad news. Uh, Mr. Grace was prepared to pay three hundred pounds for the redecoration, but the lowest quote was five hundred pounds. Oh dear! Mr. Lucas volunteers to redecorate the whole thing because he wants to earn the money, and everyone is no, I, I want a piece of this too. Captain Peacock says, "Well, why don't we all do it and we'll make fifty pounds each?" Mr. Rumbold starts to tear up. <laughs> uh, I- if British industry were allowed to thrive as this, we would be the, – the empire would rise again. The 20th again, century and would so, be
1: quite exciting or something.
0: I'm so moved. I'm so moved. And, and he's, <laughs> you, can tell he's, he, Peacock. you
1: can tell he's a uh, um, an Iron Lady supporter. What was her name? Um,
0: uh Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher. Because that's
1: exactly what Margaret Thatcher would have said back then. Don't know if she was PM yet, prime minister. But you can tell he was kind of going like the middle management. I have a little bit of money. The p- reason people don't have anything is because they didn't work hard enough. That's you know. right.
0: Yeah. Nope. Uh, Rumbold definitely would have th- voted for that. Totally. There's, there's no doubt about but it. But then Captain Peacock
1: chimes in, which was kind of
0: cool. Right. Or it could talk to the horrible wages that this company pays us and we're all desperate to pick up 50 NECA.
1: <laughs> and for Captain Peacock to use the word NECA for, for, for cash, 50, 50, pounds is right. cool as hell.
0: Yeah. It's betraying his detached house. Oh, yeah.
1: Semi detached.
0: You know. So then we cut down to back to room five in the basement, and they all come in in costumes because they're going to be decorating, right? So they, they're not going to wear their their street clothes or their work co- or their work uh, uniforms. So they're going to wear these smocks and, and, and outfits that can get a little messy, let's just say. Yeah. Right? Miss um, Brahms comes in in this teal ruffled skirt. A pink shirt with long pink rubber gloves, like for washing up, and a shower cap. Right? She looks like uh,
1: what a little girl who's four years old would dress up to try to look like an alien, right? She's just—I <laughs> don't know.
0: It's—it's it's pretty out there, right? I—I yeah. I, I guess you know they want to code her as the junior, so they're going to give her bright, vibrant colors. But that's not something realistic that someone would wear to paint and redecorate right oh jeff uh mr lucas is wearing dungaree overalls no shirt and then a kerchief on his head and around his neck
1: um was this an effort to make him look like a sexy guy i didn't think i I think that's what it
0: was and i think they failed i think they did a better job of it in the episode where they tried the american sales technique Hit him with the tape clay. Oh, like, right. I think that, you know, <laughs> it was a very similar look, but this, you know, was It was worse.
1: weird that the, the, the kerchief on his head has, like,
0: four, four knots, knots on right. his
1: head, and it just looks really weird.
0: Yeah. I don't even understand how they just did that. Um, Catch a Peacock comes in uh, with a dress shirt that's open to three oh. buttons, but but he is wearing an ascot, so he's okay. Uh, he's wearing a khaki duster with his red carnation because, well, he God forbid, show his, his... someone mistake him oh, for being one of them, yeah. right? He
1: could have worn Mrs. Slocum's sash that says supervisor.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, Mr. Tebs is wearing tennis whites, an Argyle sweater, and a golf cap. He misunderstood the assignment, right? He's ready for a day of sports, <laughs> not decorating.
1: And it's cute because he uh, has a baseball hat, which comes in handy later in the episode, and I want to touch base on that later.
0: It does, it does indeed, Mr. Mister Brandon. Uh, Mrs. Slocum is wearing a yellow fisherman's coat, pants, and hip boots. <laughs>
1: she looks like she's ready to go lobster fishing, or fishing right. off the aisle. She's going to
0: serve some fish fish fingers up in the canteen. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: And then who walks in, who, are, are the star of the show himself?
0: And then our star, Mr. Humphreys, walks in Yay! wearing an orange smock, smock over a gray tunic a striped oversized ascot tied in a pussy bow, mm-hmm. a beret, and oversized Wayfarer sunglasses. He
1: looks like a fashionable woman walking around in Soho in 2020.
0: Maybe? The, uh, uh, well, no one's walking around Soho in 2020 because of the goddamn oh, pandemic. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I do believe that this is what Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen are going to be wearing in 2021. I think that's a really You good heard condition. it here
1: first people. Yep.
0: So they start by trying to clear out all the furniture. Uh the women uh move the desk out while the men try to move the bed. Uh and so they're failing horribly because they're overthinking mm-hmm. it, right? the the women come back from putting the desk out in the hallway they pick up the mattress by the side handles move it out they get a light applause for figuring for outsmarting the men for this physical task
1: i thought it was great i mean it's the kind of like men think they're so great and the women come in and they just do right. it you know uh,
0: they also can't figure out how to, how to get the bed out of the door frame it's got all four of them trying and then Mrs. Silkham and miss brahms come back from taking getting rid of the mattress they come back expertly pivot out the door (laughs) um, and then they get a bigger applause for again having outsmarted the men with for such a a attack. And it was so
1: cute how Molly Sugden as Mrs. Slocum um, puts her little hand on her hip and kind of gives this sassy little Bob saying, "Uh,
0: Mm, yep. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Mr. Lucas finds an old copy of health and efficiency magazine from 1938. And I understand why Mr. Humphreys is interested in it, but I guess is he just curious that he's just never seen one before? But why is
1: he interested in health and efficiency? Is it like a bodybuilding slash porn magazine from 1938?
0: Uh, That's exactly what it is, you know, bodybuilding in air quotes or in inverted commas, as the Brits say. That was that was the way that they would distribute um, gay gay pornography is to disguise it as a bodybuilding oh. thing because all those all those figures were nude because men worked out in the nude and swam in the nude back then. That was just regular to do because you. you know, what year was this about? Did you say it was? <laughs> <laughs> um, your casual dress was actually quite formal. You know, people wore jackets and dress pants and trousers all the time. So it makes sense that you might not necessarily have workout gear, right? I had um, no idea. And so Mr., uh, Mr. Humphreys is reading the captions, George, Harry, and Bert relaxed on a quiet beach. Well, it must have been a cold morning. So, so
1: that joke now <laughs> yeah, makes more sense funny. now that they would have been basically nude. Um, yes. Health and efficiency. That efficiency makes me think of nudism. Who knows?
0: Mr. Harming comes in. He does a really good visual gag where he does this trick where he's balancing a plank on his head. He walks in and then turns right around without disturbing the plank. So he gets a pretty big applause uh, break for that. Yeah. What is that
1: episode? There's that film, a musical, um, where there's the gutter snipe and she can't speak well. And the the older man teaches her how to speak. Covent Garden. um, Talking about My Fair Lady? My Fair Lady, yeah, I'm remembering the the main scene when they have in Covent Garden the, the marketplace, I might be getting this wrong, but they have stacks of boxes of cheese boxes or something way, way, way high, and it's like this big dance scene. And I, I picture a lot of men doing that, walking with a plank on their head and then turning around.
0: Oh. So I wonder if that's. I'm getting the picture of You know of what, what I'm you're talking saying about? Now.
1: They had all wagons, and I think it's where all the flowers were in, in uh, My For Lady. But yeah, just it'd be interesting to go and watch that. Yeah. I wonder if having a plank walking and then turning 180 degrees walking back with the plank not being disturbed and still balanced on your head, I wonder if that was like something cool that stage people did in the fifties and
0: like swallowing goldfish or seeing how many people you could fit in a phone booth, like that kind of thing. Um, uh, sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder if that's kind of like a British thing. And like, he was kind of doing an homage to that.
0: Huh? Who knows? I wonder if we could turn this into some kind of charity challenge. You know, how they do like the ice bucket challenge a couple of years ago for Lou Gehrig's yeah, disease yeah, yeah. for a- a- ALS. Like if we could like, um, have a fundraiser for Marines disease,
1: uh, <laughs> I where my, people fil- I should have kept my hands off those winkles.
0: <laughs> where uh, people film themselves trying to uh, balance the plank on their head and turn around without you know that's the gonna, lawsuits, you're going to do yourself a mischief. The yeah, never mind. <laughs> do yourself a mischief. Are you being su- that does that does suit, madam? Does not endorse plank planking. Well, no, that's
1: another thing. Is plank it?
0: <laughs> anyway. Um, so they try to send Mr. Tubbs back upstairs to the department to fetch something. Uh, I don't want to walk up four flights of stairs. I should Coco. Um, and so because I didn't pick up on this right away, I figured this must be some kind of Cockney rhyme. I totally did
1: not even hear right? that. So well done.
0: Yeah. So Coco rhymes with say so. And so even though he's expressing this in the positive, he's he's expressing his disinterest in doing so he does not want to walk up four flights of stairs so he says i should coco i should say so
1: to my american ears that seems so convoluted it's
0: opposite it's opposite right
1: well he, maybe i read it as he's saying i should say so i wouldn't i, I should it's almost like re, he's reaffirming that he doesn't want to go up the stairs because of right. the whereas
0: there. right whereas we're in america we would say i i, I should say not or I, I, I don't think so, or something along those lines.
1: And also, Coco, just say, say so. I mean, I, I, I love it, but it just and sometimes it's just like a little bit exhausting. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been exhausted to them at the time.
0: Right. Yeah. So they're trying to put the wallpaper, they're trying to get the wallpaper glue-side up. And so Captain Peacock says, Mr. Humphreys, it would just simplify matters if you turn the same way as Mr. Lucas. <laughs> To, to date, you have no evidence that I haven't done that. <laughs> so cute.
1: And you know, that's true because they've never actually, he never says he's gay. He always kind of does a snark.
0: So they, they finally get to the, the big buildup of trying to hang the wallpaper and they keep failing at it, right? Mr. Lucas climbs up the ladder and he ends up stepping right through that. Up, oh, save it. It'll do for the bit over the door. Um, right. Mr. Slocum takes an S piece and she ends up trapping Captain Peekbach behind it. <clears throat> um, Mr. Hartman rips through a piece trying to deliver a tray of tea. Uh, and so, you know, they, they, they beat this bit to death pretty much, right? It's
1: very visual and it feels very old fashioned. A lot of old comedy sh- shows and stuff would kind of do these kind of things. But, you know, it's an old fashioned show from 1978. Right. You know? The
0: audience eats it up. The audience loves it. Yeah. I think if they were going to do a shot for shot remake today, they would need to have this physical comedy be a lot tighter and faster. And that, that would be, that would be slapstick enough to be funny to the, um, to, to today's audience. And I also think, you right. like,
1: back then, especially, you know, if, if you were in 1978, if you were 50, so you were born in 19 math,
0: 50 i I'm 46. I'm 46.
1: Um, right. So if you're a 50-year-old 1978, you were born in 5 minus 7, 1920-something, uh, right? Right. So think about what life was like in the 20s and 30s, you know, when you kind of grew up with comedy. It was very slapstick. So I think a, right. a lot of comedies back then, maybe even in the 70s, like over here, like um, Three's Company, like it was very physical. So I think that mm-hmm. was trying to maybe capture the older crowd. Cause you think of like yeah, every black and white comedy, it's like, "Whoops, my pants fell down." Whoops, there's a banana peel. Whoops, there's a you know.
0: Well, the the honeymooners wasn't very slapstick. The honeymooners was a little bit more situational, right the The whole farce, the whole um, driving point of the comedy behind the honeymooners was well, domestic abuse. Um, there are there are a large number of black and white comedies that do rely on physical comedy. I'll give you that. Yeah. Idea.
1: So, but you know, it's also cute. I thought this was this is one of the scenes that I remember very well without ever seeing an episode. Oh, there's that really funny scene where they're doing the wallpaper above the door, and then everyone starts having a, a fight. you know
0: yeah, see that that to me I, I take a I have a little bit of a different perspective on that because i i I get i the physicality of the scene. Very much reminds me of the season three opening theme song of the Facts and L- Facts of Life, where they're having the paint fight.
1: That is extremely specific, but that's very good for you. Um,
0: so, okay, so all right, <laughs> quick recap of Facts of Life: Season one is the is the um, the spinoff from Different Strokes, so they all live in the dorms, right? But season two, it starts off with Joe Polnicek showing up. They go joyriding and they get caught and they get kicked out of the dorms and they have to live above the cafeteria or the dining hall in the same, you know, uh, in Mrs. Garrett's spare bedroom above the dining hall, right? Okay. A- at the beginning of season 3, they end up working off their detention, their year-long detention or suspension from the halls, so they're allowed to move back in. They go back to to the, the dorms and they miss each other. And then Mrs. Garrett cooks up an excuse. Oh, wait, girls, there's one last thing. You have to come up and clean up this room before you move out. They all rekindle their friendship among the paint fight. And that's just a very, very um, memorable part of the season three opener that lasted for, I think, two or three years. Anyway, (laughs) the the staff of Grace Brothers get into this wallpaper paste fight because it starts with an innocent spill as all paint fights do. Uh, And so... They're all throwing paint at each other, and Mr. Rumbold comes down to yell at them, I've never seen such childish behavior, da-da-da-da, and then they all throw paint at him, or the wallpaper paste on him. And this, to me, is, I think, where the show jumped the shark. Because while it's very hard for me to suspend disbelief as it is, which is why... Um, Sci-fi and fantasy are not really that interesting. We all know this, Jeff, about you. (laughs) Right. In case you couldn't tell, (laughs) I'm a practical person, question mark, Mm, in in case that's not clear. Um, So it's just so, so unbelievable to me that the staff would even consider throwing wallpaper paste on their superior. Right. All of, out of all of the absurdest things that have happened in the name of comedy, I've been able to swallow it. You mean are you being served as absurd? absurd?
1: I've never, I've never thought of that before. <laughs> I will, do, I will nitpick this with you, Mr. Jeff. I will Go be for the um, the the Gene Siskel to your Robert Ebert here. Um, to be a very dated reference, I think <laughs> it's a lot of freaking fun uh, when Mr. Humphreys walks in and he has the tea, and for some reason. <laughs> they're throwing like paste at each other and for some reason mrs slocum comes up and just like dumps a bucket of paste on his head and his response is to take the tray of tea and just throw it up in the air and then there's it's so fun and I, i don't know i i just remember giggling when they all start going after poor mr rumbled um i think it was fun to jump the shark Uh, That's kind of The the phrase means Where the TV show Kind of runs out of ideas And they just do something stupid Because they can Um, I don't know If if we're being that critical So many of the episodes Are really silly But I, I, I do think Because we have this vehicle Where we're really focusing On all the things they do And explaining It is easy to get really nitpicky About things And say well this is ridiculous Well it's a ridiculous show and that's why we love it. But
0: Well, okay. So, I mean, going in on that classic definition of jump the shark, you're you're right. I will retract that statement because if if this were a jump the shark moment, that would mean that the majority of future episodes would be just as absurd for absurdist's sake where they're a kind of run out of ideas and we haven't got there yet because my favorite episode is coming up next week. Ooh.
1: So I want to explain what Jump the Shark is because I don't think people really know what that means. I think I might have heard it. Really? Yeah. So back in the day in the 70s, the 50s, the decade of the 50s was like kind of seen as ideal and, you know, kind of cool.
0: It was it was nostalgic. nostalgic. People are always nostalgic for, you know, 20 years prior.
1: Right, because like if you're, um, I don't know, a Gen Z person, you think in the 1990s, like Saved by the Bell is cool as shit because that's what your parents kind of liked or whatever, Right. So, in the 70s, the, the 1950s was cool as shit. So, they made a TV show, Happy Days, all about the happy days of 1950, whatever. So, there's this cool dude, um, played by Henry Winkler, um, the Fons. Some, I don't even friend. Arthur Fonzarelli. Thank you very much. Um, and he's like, hey, cool man. He's got like a leather jacket and he rides a motorcycle and, you know.
0: And he, he's, he's a contrast to the straight-laced, white bread kids yeah. of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, like right? poodle
1: skirts are flowing and drinking milk with a straw kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, the, the TV show was very successful because all those people who were growing up in the 50s, they loved it. Because, oh, my God, I remember when they had that truck and that sh- that car and blah blah blah. Right.
0: So and it, and and it was it was a dichotomy. It didn't necessarily portray a leave it to beaver squeaky clean lifestyle, but there was, you know, it was a little bit more realer and then you had characters like Arthur Fonzarelli and also Laverne DeFazio on there and things like that. Anyway. That
1: does suit the matter.
0: Go on with explaining jump the shark. Um, I'm that
1: does suit the It Does suit fonds. Um So anyway, so the, we're, the the phrase "jump the shark." You'll probably you've probably heard that before around. So this all comes from this episode <laughs> of um, of Happy Days, where there. I don't know. Like, so Henry Winkler, who is a beautiful, wonderful person. He is so cool. Um, really charitable guy. He is supposed to be playing like a teenager. And at this point, I think he was like 45 years old, right? And this show just never stops. They can just renew it another year, another year, another year. Very American television, right? So the writers were like, okay, what the hell, what the fuck can we write about? There's nothing left to, to, to say about these characters. So for some reason, I've not seen the episode, but I know the, 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 the phrase. There's some, for some reason... They have this this Italian dude, uh, the character, wearing like a leather jacket, water skiing some, for some reason. And he has to – for some reason, there's a shark in the ocean or the lake or whatever. Who knows? It doesn't matter.
0: And the lake there in Wisconsin. There's
1: there a lake with a shark in it, right? So, oh, no, he's water skiing. So, of course, it's like drama and it's stupid. Right? So for somehow, the only reason, the only way that he can make it and, like, escape the shark.
0: And win the contest or something. Win a contest to, like,
1: allow the beach house not to be sold or some stupid thing. Right, right. Right, because it all comes down to this. He has to go on one of those ramps that you see, like, the, the water ski people go on. And they, they fly through the air. So for some reason, the end of this episode, this very popular episode, probably the season finale. Um, the Fonz has to water ski in his leather jacket and, quote, jump the shark by jumping over it f- with this ramp. And it was sort of like, okay, he did it, and hooray. And everyone who watched it thought, what the fuck am I watching?
0: <laughs> <laughs> because,
1: like, the Fonz is, like, jumping over a shark right. in a lake. So it's sort of the term that, that people in TV use. Like, did we just jump the shark here? Like, did we just do the stupidest thing and... There's no reason to, to make this to, as a content. Yeah.
0: Right. It, it, it's the point in time that is so unbelievable and so absurd at which the quality of the show starts to um, degrade.
1: But it's an right? interesting so, topic. Like, when does the show jump the shark? Don't know if this is it, but that's an interesting question.
0: So so I, I don't know necessarily because we do have a lot of excellent episodes still to come. Right? We've got... My favorite, the next one, which is Do You Take This Man, where Mrs. Slocum is engaged to Mr. Metaxas. Um, we've got Italian Tony. Oh, my God. We've got Anything You Can Do, where they have to cook the meal. <gasps> so, you know, it, it's not like it's all clunkers for the next one. No way, years. no way. But we already do have the first clue, which is the rotating senior salesman. Interesting. You know what I mean? That's like that's the first clue in terms of like the beginning of the. Are end. you ready
1: for a hot take? Go for it. The jump the shark moment is the last episode.
0: Mm, mm. Right. I. That that is a valid valid argument.
1: <laughs> we will dissect it uh, at length later on in the show.
0: <laughs> that is a very valid argument. I feel i I don't I think if I had to pinpoint a jump the shark moment right now I think it might be the introduction of mr. Spooner. um oh, Mr. Spooner
1: well hey people love Mr. Spooner but maybe that is a debate we'll have to have another time
0: or you know if you've got if you've got a burning opinion on this there's a bit cream too <laughs> unanimous you can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an email at that does madam with an, with an e. at gmail.com or you can call the peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK-662-732-2625. So tell us how you feel and... What was the point where our beloved show started to go downhill?
1: Or does it ever and does it just continually climb up like Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the mountain? Look it up. But with that said, Mr. Jeff, why don't we say our phrase? You've all done very well! Bye, unanimous! Bye, listeners! That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Caution! Flexi bra does not actually rotate